1: Episode 89, Millennial Money. Hey Chainers, welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And
2: I'm Katie Welsh.
1: So Katie, today we're chatting with a very inspirational guest that's literally went from nothing to a million bucks in five years.
2: I think that is so impressive because it's such a quick turnaround from going... Sleeping on your parents' couch to millionaire.
1: Yeah, and I think like it's crazy to think that this is achievable as well. You know, I think a lot of people, they think a million bucks is such an astronomical amount of money. I'm probably never going to see that in my life. Mm-hmm. But if you are careful and strategic the way you go about doing things and you really have a goal, you can put in steps, you can put into place steps to achieve that goal. And it all starts with a mindset.
2: Yeah, definitely. And a little bit of a change in your daily routine can go really far. Even if it's not to get a million bucks, but to pay off debt or to lose weight or anything like that, a little change can be like a big stepping stone.
1: Yeah. 100%. And I think it's also important to realize that there's actually a lot of time in a day as well. You know, like a lot of people talk about working the nine to five, but what about the other hours out there?
2: What about the five to nine? (laughs) What about
1: the five to nine or the five to 12 or the five to whatever, you know, and the weekends. And, you know, the thing is like, we're not saying don't have any fun and don't have a good life. It's just you need to find a balance and depending on what your goals are, you may need to adjust time. Like the average American, I think watches is the three hours of
2: TV a day. Yeah. I think it roughly averaged about 30 hours a week. Yeah. Well, and I think that if you are kind of like side hustling or, you know, whatever it is with your five to nine, it's not really like work because it's hopefully something you're passionate about and something you enjoy doing. So it's really like a hobby That you'll eventually end up getting paid for
1: for sure yeah all right are you ready to jump right into our interview with grant yeah awesome let's do it welcome to chain of wealth here's your host dennis inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom hey chainers welcome to another edition of chain of wealth today we have grant from millennial money Millennial Money is a personal finance, investing, and entrepreneurship community dedicated to financial independence and early retirement. He's been featured all over the place, including CNBC, The Washington Post, USA Today, and The New York Times, to name a few.
3: Hey, Grant.
1: Hey, great to be on the podcast.
2: Yeah, so... Before we dive into like all of your accomplishments and all the awesome things you're doing right now, I wanted to take like a step back and kind of you had like a rock bottom moment. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what like what was going through your mind at that time?
3: Yeah, in August 2010, um, I found myself living back at home with my parents, uh, you know, three years out of college. I'd, I'd graduated with a philosophy degree. I'd bounced around a lot of different jobs, ended up getting laid off twice. And my parents said I didn't have anywhere to live. My parents said I could crash uh, at their place uh, for three months. They weren't going to give me any money. And I was in month two of this three-month stay with my parents. And I woke up uh, about 11. AM. actually my mother was yelling up the stairs uh, at me um, I'd recently sent over 200 resumes uh, into different jobs and I hadn't gotten a single response back so I was I was in a pretty rough spot and I woke up and actually checked my bank account because I was like you know what? I'm gonna grab some Chipotle for lunch and figured out that I had two dollars and 26 cents in my bank account and so I had no money my parents were not gonna give me any money um, I had no job prospects nothing um, and you know I I was one of those guys who always studied hard in school, you know, did everything that I thought that I was supposed to do. I went to a good school, a good college, and basically found myself literally back home in the bed that I had slept in from really the time I was seven years old. And I was like, whoa, you know, I tried to get so far, but I'm, I'm just stuck back here. And that's really the start of my financial independence, uh, you know, journey at that time. Uh, you know, I was, I was pretty deep. uh it, pretty depressed. And I actually made the resolution that if I could, uh, you know, could get a job, uh, you know, I was going to do things a lot differently and really set a pretty unrealistic goal to save a million dollars as quickly as possible. That was basically my goal at that point.
1: That's absolutely amazing. So why did you specifically stop millennial money then?
3: Yeah, so I started Millennial Money in 2015, uh, about a month after I reached financial independence. So from that day in August, it actually took me exactly five years, three months, and six days to go from $2.26 to $1.25 million. And so uh, after that period, you know, I was I was pretty tired, I was pretty elated, and I realized just how much I had learned, and I also realized how much I had actually done really kind of on my own Um, I'd done a lot of testing, you know, at one point I had 13 different income streams, Uh, I'd learned a ton about money, I was really into reading about money, and once I hit my goal, I was like, you know, I need to share this story with more people, Uh, and, you know, I'd never blogged before, you know, I was always one of those people who, you know, I enjoyed writing kind of in my, you know, in in like a journal, but, you know, I'd never written uh, in a a public forum, and I... uh, really didn't think that i necessarily had something to say online you know i I, i'd read a bunch of blogs and and i just didn't have a ton of writing confidence so uh you know at that time i just launched the blog and i started writing and you know it really took about a year for it to grow but once it grew it really 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 took off
1: that's absolutely amazing so 1.2 million in just less than five years what was the bulk of that
3: Yeah, I mean, a bulk of it was side hustle income, actually. Uh, And so at that point in August 2010, I eventually, about a month later, got a job at a digital marketing agency. Um, That's kind of another story. I taught myself Google AdWords on YouTube, uh, and I was making about $50,000 in that job, but it was at a digital agency. Uh, there was a pretty small agency, it was about 35 people in Chicago, and it was really just an incredible education for me. Um, I was able to learn about all facets of digital marketing. Uh, one of the sales guys really took me under his wing and taught me about selling. Uh, I helped land one of the biggest accounts that the agency had gotten uh, with, with the sales guy, and I really used it as just an incubator. I was like a sponge, and for the next year, I learned everything I could about digital marketing, and interestingly... Um, you know, I started getting good at running Google ad campaigns, and people would call up the agency and, you know, want to work with us, but, you know, we'd only take businesses or clients of a certain size, and so I was able to get a couple of clients that were too small for for my agency and work with them on my own, and I started actually, at this time, it was pretty easy to find, you know, like website gigs and marketing gigs actually on Craigslist, and so I started picking up a few and started working with law firms and, um, you know, realtors and a couple dentists and, uh, you know, got really good at building uh, websites for law firms, oddly, and um, made some good connections in that space. And I went from earning $50,000 that first year to $300,000 by the end of the year. Uh, I was building websites. I mean, I was spending all of my time making and saving uh, money. And from that, I actually launched two different companies, two different agencies. Um, One was focused on law firms firms uh, and focused on lead generation and then I partnered up with a couple guys and launched an agency that focused on higher education and so I really went all in um, on both of my companies and you know made made quite a bit of money uh, you know I didn't make like millions and millions of dollars the biggest impact was you know I was saving between 60 and 80 percent of my income so that entire time I had like the crappiest Nissan Maxima that I'd bought for $800 on Craigslist you know I lived in a really really janky apartment uh, until I'd saved up enough and bought a good investment property and yeah I just I lived on real really, really, uh, really low amounts of money. And, you know, I wasn't spending any money because I was actually spending most of my time working. Um, but I, I had a really singular goal. And I, once I hit that hundred K mark, uh, of savings, um, you know, the rest is kind of a blur. It was just, you know, I was saving everything that I could make and I'd sell some projects, some website projects, and I made like $50,000 one month and I saved every bit of it. Um, And so, you know, I was also really fortunate, you know, I started doing this in 2010. So I started investing towards the end of 2010. And, you know, obviously the stock market had a number of really good years. And so I was able to benefit from, uh, you know, quite a bit of growth in my investments. About about 30, 40% of my net worth has been through growth in investments. And so, um, you know, just a collection of tried and true kind of money principles. But the big thing was from loading uh, as much money as possible. And so it was one of those things where I realized, oh, you know, a dollar saved at 24 is worth three to four times a dollar saved at 34. And so I'm going to make the sacrifices now. And, um, you know, I really, really wanted to get to a million dollars, even though I didn't quite have a reason why beyond, um, you know, I'd I'd set it as a goal. And eventually as I moved towards that goal and I started learning more and more about money, started being more comfortable with money, uh, I started to realize that, you know, I was actually pretty close and getting pretty close to have, you know, having, you know, as much money as I would need really for the rest of my life. And that I could kind of take the pedal off the gas and start focusing on, you know, projects that I enjoyed. Not that I didn't enjoy digital marketing. It's just I got really tired of managing teams and clients and traveling to clients. And um, so I'm, I'm really thankful that I get to do what I love now, which is writing and teaching and playing music and traveling. I've been to over 20 countries in the last two years. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's the story.
2: Wow, that is quite the story. So I have... A bit of a question for you. Mm -hmm. So you went to school, you studied philosophy, and that was your degree. And then you, a few years later, started two different businesses. What was your turning point? Had you ever thought of yourself as entrepreneurial? Or where did that kind of business sense come from?
3: Yeah. Interestingly, I, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd had a few failed ideas before this time. Um, so it wasn't like I woke up at 24 and I was like, I'm going to start a business now. Uh, you know, I tried to launch a couple different mobile apps. You know, I was reading things like corporate accounting for dummies. And, you know, I was, I was kind of teaching myself, uh, you know, along the way, but the biggest thing, man, it, it, you know, it's just YouTube, uh, just became this kind of holy grail to me. Um, you know, I ended up getting Google AdWords certified in about 30 days, uh, through watching YouTube videos and videos on Google, Google's platform. And I started just using YouTube as really a way to learn, you know, everything from how to set up my LLC to, um, you know, how to basic accounting to, um, you know, different sales strategies. And, you know, I've I've always, um, I've always been really curious. And I think once I realized like, oh, I can make money, once I realized I could make money on my own, you know, I really doubled down and I was, I was all in. Uh, So it actually, it actually, you know, Became pretty pretty natural to me. Um, one of the things I learned uh, just about selling in general, uh, you know, I, I studied uh, linguistic philosophy, so I know a lot about language and it, the language that makes people kind of tick and uh, you know what motivates them. And one of the interesting things is I started learning that when you're you know to be good at selling, it's really just about connecting, uh, you know, with a person. Like a vast majority of sales happen, you know, between people uh, on a one-to-one basis and so I started to realize and understand that at the end of the day there's a pretty big difference between real and perceived value and this is a big turning point for me and at the end of the day you can sell the same thing to two different people but the person who has a has a higher perception of that value is, is going to pay you and, and if they can a lot more money so I could sell the same website to two different law firms one law firm for $5,000 and another for 50000 thousand dollars simply because the perception of the value of this same thing was much higher for this other law firm and once that kind of clicked i was like you know i was all in um and i really tested myself you know i did some you know I took some risks and um you know i had so much energy that's one of the things that looking back i'm just like oh man i was so crazy uh you at 25 because you know when all my friends were like you know going to Bonnaroo and flying to Coachella and, uh, you know, going out all the time. I was just like, you know, Reading competitive strategy books, and I never got an MBA. But one of my friends uh, went to Chicago Booth, and I convinced him to give me all of his syllabus. And so I actually started reading some of the books, um, you know, in some of the classes that he was taking, and, and just you know, I, I didn't have to go too deep, but you know, I was able to to learn learn pretty quickly. And then you know, there's no better teacher than experience. And once you know, once you have a couple employees, you figure out you know how to manage people. And once you still have a couple clients, uh, you know, you figure out how to do that. And, you know, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, and and it, was, it, was, it was a lot like a game to me.
1: Definitely makes sense. So you wrote a post about good versus bad debt. What exactly is the difference?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I think ultimately at the end of the day, uh, good debt is, you know, things like a mortgage in a home that, you know, either a, you know, is going to appreciate or has a high percentage likelihood of appreciation and good debt is, you know, when you've taken a calculated risk with the debt, because you believe um, really statistically that, you know, that taking on that debt is going to give you a higher earning potential in the future. So some people would say that student loan debt is good debt you know I think that a lot of student loan debt is actually bad debt um, especially now I mean it really depends on how you use that debt. Uh, I think it's really hard to classify but at the end of the day, if you can get someone else to, you know, to take on some of the risk, uh, by loaning you money, uh, that you can then leverage into either a, a better job or better income opportunities, or, you know, a property that's going to appreciate in value or that you can rent out, um, you know, taking on good debt, uh, can, can really fast track your entire wealth building process. I mean, I know a couple friends of mine, uh, who, Both of them are on pace to become financially independent at the age of 30. Neither of them have made over $70,000 per year, but they've been able to leverage, um, you know, mortgages, uh, to buy some properties and and appreciation from properties to really in a pretty short period of time. Now they both have multimillion dollar real estate portfolios and, and that would have just been impossible to do without, uh, you know, taking on debt from, from a bank, um, I think bad debt clearly credit cards, payday loans, you know all those types of debt that you know really don't get you anywhere. They don't have any appreciation. Um, you know, a car loan is another good example. Unless you're you know using your car to get to a job and there's no other way to get there, then it could be good debt. Uh, but you know the the debt that doesn't allow you to leverage, uh, and, and create really earning opportunities is, is, is poor. I mean, compounding clearly works both ways. And so I think that's, uh, that's the difference between good and bad debt.
2: Yeah, I can definitely agree with you on a lot of that. Like you don't want to have a high credit card bill and, you know, a lot of times in order to get an education, you have to take out your student loan and everything. Um, so when you're talking about your friends going to Bonnaroo and Coachella and, you know, have it going out and having a lot of fun, you know, 25-year-old you who kind of just like at home buried in a book, like reading and everything. What kind of things have you seen like a lot of mid to, well, I guess not even mid, just people in their 20s, like what kind of mistakes do you see a lot of people doing like that you noticed even when you were younger and at the time? your friends were doing stuff and you're like, oh, I would never do that kind of thing. Yeah, I think there's a
3: couple of things. It's a good question. Um, The one thing is that, I realized pretty quickly, um, you know, once I started getting more comfortable with money, I realized that money is infinite. You know, you can always go out and get a part-time job. You know, anyone that's listening to this podcast or, you know, either of you, you can always go out and get a job at a bookstore or drive for Uber. You know, there's always money that you can make, but, you know, you can never get more time. And I, the paradox was I was investing so much of my time early on to buy my freedom in the future because I actually realized that my time, you know, was, was more valuable when I was younger. So I could leverage it, uh, kind of like debt in a way and buy myself more time in the future. And I saw a lot of people around me making really huge trade-offs for money, um, but not, not in a way that would get them anywhere. You know, so they were some of my friends who would, you know, they'd be the first to the office and the last to leave, but none of them, or or they didn't realize that that's at the end of the day, not what their boss or what their company really would care about. Um, and they didn't quite understand, they weren't able to remove themselves from, um, kind of being a wage slave in a way, you know, they thought, you know, they, they were making extreme sacrifices at the end of the day to maybe get a two or $3,000 raise, um, that when it netted out, they were spending, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours, more time working to, to get $3,000 more And they were working at jobs where, you know, I think they were always in fear that they could lose their job, and rightly so. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that companies, they're really just kind of legal pyramid schemes. You know, they're constructed by people at the top uh, who are going to make money, and you know, the company only makes money if they're able to leverage your labor uh, and, you know, get paid a higher amount on your time than they're paying you and so I think a lot of people around me younger people were just making massive sacrifices you know they were working you know 50 60 hours a week for like $40,000 jobs that you know at the end of the day they didn't realize um, that I think if there's one thing to pay your dues but I think they didn't quite realize how exploited they were being uh, I think a lot of people too in their 20s uh I'm seeing more and more younger people, uh, gosh, I sound so old, I'm like 30, <laughs> 33, I'm like younger people. But uh, I see a lot of Those little
2: more, snappers.
3: I, I know, gosh, I'm like my ripe old age of 33, uh, but I, I see a lot of people, um, you know, starting to take a little more risk, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of in that, you know, screw it mentality, I'm going to kind of do what I want for a while, which is cool, it's, it's cool to see more people doing that. But I think there's just a lot of fear out there. I think there's a narrative that, like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to dive all the way in and make these huge sacrifices. And so I think a lot of people, a lot of younger people, um, they don't believe in themselves or value their time near as much as they should. Uh, And that's one of the things I always kind of looked at my friends and like, I know I'm really intense, but I'd always kind of look at them and be like, yo, dude, why are you making that trade off? or you know why are you staying late or you know you complain all the time about your job and you have all these skills like all you got to do is spend a couple hours on a Tuesday and you could get a job with better you know hours and better pay and better work remote opportunities and so I think a lot of people you know they really just get stuck
1: definitely makes sense so you've spoken a lot about time now and if you could go back in time is there something that you would do different
3: That's a really good question. I think so. Uh, You know, I ended up making quite a few sacrifices with my health. Um, that, you know, in hindsight were dumb. You know, I would, you know, pull all-nighters. I ate like crap. I mean, I didn't exercise nearly as much as I should. You know, I definitely didn't believe or cultivate balance in, in, in really any way. Um, I was very much kind of work, 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 work crash. Like, my mind would just completely, like, literally two or three times, Times a year I would crash completely and like my mind would be like all foggy and you know I'd have to like lay on the couch for a week um, and clearly I was just in this cycle of working really intensely and burning myself out and you know I do think we live in a world where uh, people expect a lot of people you know we have this 24-7 culture and I was kind of the embodiment of always being on call always working always pushing myself and so I think I actually would have been a lot happier and also um, more productive, and probably even made more money if I would have just you know chilled out a little bit uh, and and cultivated a, li- a little bit more balance. You know, I was really really burnt out. I think a lot of people are really burnt out, and actually. I realized it, you know, when I'd crash, but, you know, I, I left the corporate world last October. Um, so I've been gone, you know, about nine months and it really took me about six months to kind of detox from, you know, I, I call it my corporate detox uh, and it just, it, it, so many different things happened to me. I did, just didn't realize how stressed and how amped up and, you know, how, you know, kind of un un. You know, it was, it was really unsustainable. Like I firmly believe if I would have kept going as intensely as I was, you know, you know I wasn't going to last that long. So to answer your question, I probably would have, you know, I like to say, you know, I wish I would have chilled as hard as I hustled. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, definitely makes sense. So you're 33 now. What's the plan for the next 10 years?
3: Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I didn't expect to happen during this process is, you know, I launched Millennial Money in 2015. And, you know, it took about probably six months for me to get my first reader email. And then, you know, from that time period, you know, I'm at the point now, I probably get two or 300 emails a week uh, from readers, you know, everything from asking questions. But I started to get probably around in early 2016, I started to get emails like, you know, you helped me save $5,000. You've inspired me to quit my job and go, you know, dive into my side hustle full time. Uh, you helped me pay back $50,000 in student loans. I got a $60,000 raise. Um, I'm making 2000 more dollars a month and I can take care of my mother. You know, I started getting a lot of these like, hey, you've inspired me. Um, no one's taught me this before. I didn't know this was possible type emails from people, and I'll tell you what, those emails actually filled me with kind of a level of joy that I'd never experienced before in my life, they actually meant more to me than any dollar that I'd made, or really anything that I'd done up to that point in my life, and um, I really... You know, over about a period of a year, started to realize like, you know, this is your mission. This is, um, you know, this is where the good stuff's at. And I got to a point where, you know, I could have kept my digital agency. Um, you know, I walked away from, gosh, about you know five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars a year uh, to dedicate my, you know, self full time to teaching people not only about money but um, how to kind of survive and thrive and, you know, increasingly uncertain times. So I started to realize just how much people were struggling and suffering. And I'll tell you what, if, if you would have told me five years ago that I would be where I'm at today with a mission, helping people, um, you know, reaching literally hundreds of thousands of people a month, you know, I would have laughed at you. I would have just been like, that's impossible. Um, you know, I was pretty selfish, I think, during, my money making years and um you know I could never have anticipated just once I realized that I had enough just how much the world would kind of open to me. And so um you know I've always been kind of you know in touch with uh the world. You know I'm I'm kind of a spiritual guy and one of the things I I've grown more, kind of personally, in the last year than I have in my entire life, and it's because I have more time and space to think, to explore, to try new things. And um, you know, I've never had a mission before, and I think there's some of the ways that, like, my life is aligned in the past year or two, um, really signal to me that um, if there is some higher power in the world, I'm meant to be doing what. I'm doing right now. And that's, what's really exciting. Cause I don't know what's going to happen next year. I don't know what's going to happen in two years. And that's just the way that I want it. Um, I've really opened myself up to life in, I think, uh, a, a way that i never would have expected. And it's, it's, it's giving me things that, you know, are, are really kind of, uh, really kind of incredible. Um, and I wish, I wish everyone could feel this way.
1: I really love that. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Chainers, we've just started a daily show on Alexa. So on your Alexa, search for Money Minute by Chain of Wealth. We release episodes Monday to Friday And the Thursday episode on our normal podcast is a recap of the entire week of The Daily Show. So you can choose however you'd like to consume the content. You can also find us on iTunes. So that's Chain of Wealth Money Minutes.
2: All right, Grant. So why do you think people struggle to achieve their dream?
3: They're their own worst enemy. Um they tell themselves that they have a dream, but then, you know, when push comes to shove, they spend five or six hours a day watching Netflix.
1: Well, that definitely makes sense. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend to our listeners?
3: Yeah, so my favorite book of all time um, is actually uh, Your Money or Your Life. It's by Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez. Um, interestingly enough, Vicky and I uh, now do a lot of work Together, um, It's really the book that uh, taught me that whenever you're working, you know, you're trading your life energy, you're trading your time. And so I definitely recommend everyone check out your money or your life. Uh, my own book, Financial Freedom, went on pre-sale three weeks ago. You can check out financialfreedombook.com. And then podcasts. Um, I'm really into Malcolm Gladwell's uh, revisionist history. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the choose FI podcast uh, and those are those are probably two of my favorites
2: awesome and do you have a favorite quote
3: I have a few favorite quotes uh, I'll, I'll give I'll give them to you um, uh, oh well I guess we win some and lose some as long as the outcome is income that's Drake <laughs>
2: Uh <laughs>
3: That's that's uh that's a I'm a big fan of that one. Um be in love with your life, uh is Jack Kerouac. And then for thing for things to reveal themselves, we must first abandon our views about them, and that's Teeknot Han, the Buddhist monk. Those are my three favorite.
1: I love that. Grant, we've absolutely loved hanging out today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye
3: no thanks uh, really appreciate you having me on the podcast love what you all are doing uh, keep fighting the good fight and it's, uh, it's been a real pleasure
2: yeah we've absolutely loved chatting
1: Shane as we've been hanging out with Grant from Millennial Money you can check out his, his website it's millennialmoney.com and definitely go check out that website there's a ton of valuable resources on it chainers we hope you to enjoyed today's show if you'd like you can review us on itunes it really helps the podcast grow and whether it's a one star or five star we appreciate all feedback we hope you enjoy your day today and catch you on the flip side